uh, last two weeks actually, I've had the, the um, great blessing of being able to return to the football field. Not to play, not to play of course, uh, to coach. Uh, this last week we started uh, our spring camp for our uh, football team, and where our sophomores and juniors and seniors come back and they get to prepare for, uh, for our fall uh, football season. Uh, we spend a couple weeks and we kind of reintroduce everything to them and then they enter in their training program over the summer of weightlifting and running, exercising, and then we pick up in August with our contact, our full contact and such. Well, one of the things that happened this week was, was kind of remarkable. We had a kid who played for me as a, as a freshman. His name was Dason. Uh, some of you guys uh, for, that attend Lebanon might know Dason. Um, when he played for me, he was about, uh, as a freshman, he came in out of his eighth grade year, about six foot two, 325 pounds. Okay, he was a big boy. And, and as an offensive line coach, he started to drool, right? Because that, that, uh, that's, that's a huge for a freshman. Now, uh, there's a mixed blessing there because that's, it's great. Uh, he was a big, strong kid and he was a good football player. However, as a 14 year old, 325 pounds is very hard for, on your body to carry around. And so the, over the course of the season, uh, throwing his body very hard against other uh, like-minded individuals took its toll. And so by the end of the season, Dason was, uh, he was beat down. And he came out the next year as a sophomore and had the same thing happen. And I, I don't even remember if he made it through his season uh, because of the uh, trouble that he was having with his knees and his back. It, it was a difficult year for him. So his junior season came around, and he decided not to play. It was just too much for him. And so over the course of that year, I didn't, didn't know that this was going on, but Dason took to the weight room. And he started to eat right and started to get healthy. And he came out this last week as a senior now. Uh, he was about six foot three, 245 pounds. So he lost about 80 pounds. Now, overall, he lost about 100 pounds. And then since then, since he dropped down to his lowest weight, he's put on another 20 to 25 pounds of muscle. And so when Dason came out, it was like he was a whole new individual. I hardly recognized him. His arms were about as big around as my legs, right? He's just, he's, uh, he's poised for a very, very good senior year. In fact, such that uh, with the athletic ability he has, he's put himself in a very good position to be noticed by some college scouts, possibly. And hopefully through this uh, year, we'll see him, him have great success. Now, I tell you that because I, I noticed this transformation that took place in Dason. And as a, as a former football player myself in high school and a bigger guy, it, it was kind of motivating to see the transformation that took place when he really put his mind to it. And I understand what it's like to, to have issues with your, your body because of being a big football player. Uh, I've had a uh, feet problem because of my days playing football as well. Not too long ago, I had to have minor surgery on my foot as well. And so uh, over the last couple of months, I've used that kind of as an excuse to be rather lazy, right? And, and so some of my dress shirts uh, that I put on on Sunday morning have been getting a little tighter. So seeing Dason uh, and the transformation again that he made has kind of motivated me. And so uh, I'm waiting right now on some orthotics. My podiatrist is going to help me out so that I can, can be active without further damaging my feet. And uh, I'm waiting on that. So I'm still kind of being lazy, I'll admit. But we're getting there so I can start hiking and, and running and such. Uh, but in the meantime, I have done a little, uh, you know, browsing online, you know, doing some research. What am I going to do to maximize my, my efforts and the like and change my diet? 
And one of the things that I've come across, and I've uh, seen this over the years from time to time, is a, a series of articles on Yahoo.com uh, called Eat This, Not That. Have you ever, ever seen those? Eat This, Not That. Now, I have an example. So let's say you wake up in the morning and you are someplace close to the amazing place called Cinnabon, and you have the opportunity to eat one of these delicious pieces of wonder, little bites of heaven, pillows of heaven right there. Now, I don't know if you know this, but a Cinnabon cinnamon roll is about 900 calories or, or 5 billion or something like that. It's, it's a lot. And if you decide to eat one of these cinnamon rolls, just one, and you decide it's no problem because I'm going to work it off later, you're going to have to go on a two-and-a-half-hour walk just to burn off, just to equal what you just consumed. Now, an article like this Yahoo one says, eat this instead of that. Will you have it? I think. You know, some crackers, (laughs) right? This may or may not be an accurate representation of the article. Now, these saltine crackers are 12 calories, 12 calories, and it'll actually only take you 2.5 minutes of walking to burn off one saltine cracker. I don't know if you knew that or not. Or, for example, maybe you were over in Corvallis. Maybe there's one closer, but uh, my wife loves to go to Jamba Juice, right, Jamba Juice. And these deliciously healthy, right, healthy, uh, fruit smoothies. Now, what do you think about them? Now, they're not quite 900 calories, but a large smoothie will run about 500 calories, 500 calories which will take you about an hour and a half. Now, our Yahoo Eat This, Not That would say, don't eat a fire, drink a 500-calorie smoothie, drink a glass of water. Because there's zero calories. And the nice thing about water is it takes zero hours of walking to burn off those calories. Okay, well, again, maybe the article doesn't go quite that far. It gives you a little more realistic options than eating those things or having to eat saltines and water all the time. But the point remains that, you know, sometimes to make a change in our life, we have to do something different, right? We can't eat the cinnamon rolls if we want to lose the weight, or you need to share it with a village of people. (laughs) Well, we're going to, we're starting a new series today uh, on what we can do as Christians uh, instead of what we might have done before or what our, our natural inclination might be. And the title of this series is This, Not That. This, Not That. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32, and then a portion of chapter 5. And over the next four weeks, we're actually going to read this whole passage, Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, each week, kind of like we did when we went through the Be the Church series. We're just going to read the same passage to begin with the whole, the, every week, so we can kind of get familiar with it, get comfortable with it. And then we'll, once after those four weeks are over, we'll move into chapter 5 of Ephesians and cover Ephesians chapter 5 for a few weeks as well. So let's read today, starting in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ this way. Surely you have heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up, uh, building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So we're looking at this, this, not that concept. Of all the things that we need to put off, you might have caught that in verse 22, the things that we need to put off and the things that we need to put on in verse 24. I'm going to read that again, verse 22 through 24, just to refresh your minds. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires. Okay, taking off the old. Okay, our old way of life, our old selfish life, which is being corrupted, it states. Verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what we're talking about here is a new transformation that needs to take place, a new transformed life. Just like I talked about the story of Dason, who completely changed who, what, who he is physically by putting off his old habits and putting on new habits, new healthier habits, we could see a dramatic change take place in his life. And that's what we're looking for in our spiritual lives. A new way of life modeled by Christ and explained to us by the authors of the New Testament. Specifically, we'll be looking at the Apostle Paul. You know, our old way of life, our old way of doing things is stained. It's corrupted with sin. It's filled with selfishness. And that is the self that is washed away when we accept Christ and we submit to him in baptism. Baptism, which is mentioned uh, throughout Scripture, especially in the New, in, specifically in the New Testament, but explained in Romans chapter 6, tells us that we are dying to our old self when we're baptized with Christ into his death. We're putting to death that old self. And we're raised to walk in newness of life. In Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 14, Jesus, or excuse me, Paul explains this a little more. He says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. Dead to sin. We are buried. We die. That's what being buried in, in baptism under the water, being placed under the water, represents. Dying to sin. Dying to our old way of life. In the same way, count yourselves dead, dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death into life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. This week we're going to focus on the first step in putting off the old self and putting on the new from this Ephesians chapter 4 passage. In Ephesians 4, verses 18 through 21, it gives us our first this, not that statement. Uh, the that is found in verse 18. Verse 18 of Ephesians 4 says, They are darkened in their understanding, 
and separated from the life of God because of ignorance. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. So that what we're taking off, what we're putting off of our old self is ignorance. So Paul is telling us we need to take that off from us, that old uh, not knowing, not understanding, not even wanting to understand, and putting on what we find in verse 21, where it says, Surely you have heard of him, and were taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. The truth, or knowledge. So we're going to put off ignorance, and we're going to put on knowledge. So we're going to look first, though, at what the dangers of ignorance are. And the dangers of ignorance. In Scripture, the dangers are, are extreme. Well, as children, you know, we're in a, state, a constant state of danger because of ignorance. We might, you might remember when you were a real little kid and your parents were always telling you what? No, right? Or stop, wait, all of those, right? Mainly to protect us from our ignorance. For example, a hot stove, a busy street, you know, a dangerous animal, a small object that could end up in your mouth and choking on. Strangers with candy, right? We, we protect our kids and we train them as they grow to understand these type of dangers. And little by little, as they grow in their knowledge and their understanding, they begin to avoid dangerous situations and dangerous things. As adults, we're not that different than young kids often. We, too, are in danger from our own ignorance. Ask any of our police officers. We have several here at uh, Southside. Ask any of them how well a plea of ignorance will go over once they pull you over, right? Or once they start writing you a ticket. Honestly, officer, I didn't know it was a 25. I thought it was a 65, right? Uh, yeah, even David, Domini, is probably going to end up putting you in jail, right, for that type of ignorance. Okay, that's, we, we are in danger of our own ignorance, and our society functions in that way as well. In the Bible, in Hosea uh, chapter 6, we see an extreme caution against ignorance from God when he tells the prophet Hosea these words. He says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. My people, my children are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I will also ignore your children. Those are some harsh words because the people of Israel, the, the children of Israel, had chosen ignorance. They had rejected the knowledge of God. You know, there's an expectation in Scripture that we know God, that we take time and we give energy, the energy necessary to learn about Him and His ways. After all, He knows each of us individually, uh, intimately, and cares for us. Shouldn't we make an effort to know Him in return? In Isaiah 49, it says, Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for a child she has born? Even if that were possible, I would never forget you. See, I have engraved your name on the palms of my hand. Kind of a, a, a foreshadowing of what Christ would do for each of us. Carving his name with the nails, our name with the nails in his hands. That's how much God loves us. And God knows us so well. And it's not like it's that hard for us to learn about, about God or understand a little about his character and his heart. You know, I spent the last couple days uh, up in central Oregon camping. And we were up above Subtle Lake outside of Sisters, Oregon, and uh, camping underneath Mount uh, Washington. 
And it was absolutely beautiful. The, the scenery, it was remarkable. And it's hard to be up there in that, that close to these gigantic mountains and not just be in awe of the power and the majesty of God. And that's just while the lights were on, right? As soon as the lights go off, all of a sudden we understand just how little and insignificant size-wise that we really are, right? But then you start to understand how much God loves you and that he created this for each of us. And then we understand the great significance that we play in his mind. You know, in Romans chapter 1, it speaks of this uh, visible evidence around us as well and the dangers of ignorance. In Romans 1, 18 through 20, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all of the, God, uh, all of the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. You know, I can tell you this weekend, I got to experience uh, that creation, that love, that power, that eternal presence of God. That those mountains were carved by his hands. And that those stars were placed at his command. And that's pretty amazing. We're without excuse of knowing that God exists and how much he loves us. So there's some extreme dangers, though, in in ignorance. But there are also some benefits in knowledge on the flip side. And so we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 2. I I was looking through the Proverbs. They're uh, filled with wisdom and filled with knowledge and understanding. But Proverbs chapter 2 gives us a very clear picture of the benefits of knowing God and understanding him. So let's read that starting in verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just, and he protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. And this was quite, quite a passage. I love this passage. It's filled with uh, if-then statements. Uh, maybe, do you remember those from math class way back when? If-then statements. They're called, it's called deductive reasoning. Right? We take some facts, some things that we know to be true, and from them we gather new conclusions. Or maybe they're old conclusions that we're just finding out for the first time. But this passage is filled with those. It says, if you accept my words, if you store up my commands... If you turn your ear to wisdom, if you apply your heart to knowledge, if you call out for insight, if you cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it like silver, if you search for it like a hidden treasure, then there's going to be a result. And what is that result? You catch it in that passage? In verse 5, then you will understand. Then you will gain knowledge, right? And it won't just be facts that you, you kind of know, right? This is that gnosko, complete intimate knowledge. You will understand the fear of the Lord, and you will find knowledge of God. In verse 9, then you will understand what is right and just and fair. 
you gain understanding. The benefit of knowledge is understanding of what God has done, of who he is, of what, uh, what role he plays in our life. This deductive reasoning, if then. Verse 12, let's read it real quick. There's all, some other uh, uh, things that wisdom and knowledge will do for us. Uh, in verse 12 it says, Wisdom will save you from the ways of what? Wicked men. Okay, so understanding, knowledge, wisdom has a benefit for us as we go. Go ahead and leave this one up for just a little bit. Uh, it has a, a benefit for us as we live our life. It protects us. It actually acts as, as God's protection for you as you conduct your life and you go about your business. And I believe that this is something that's applicable to every area of your life. If you're a businessman and you want to have protection in your business against bad deals and people trying to take advantage of you, then if you have a relationship with God that's based on understanding and wisdom and knowledge, what's it going to protect you from? The ways of wicked men. Okay, people trying to take advantage of you. The evilness and wickedness of men's heart. Men who would like to dominate or suppress. Those who would like to abuse their power and authority. Those who would like to gain the upper hand whatever way they can. God's understanding, his knowledge, his wisdom will protect you from wicked men. In verse 16 it says this, it will also save you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words. I think that there's a there's a, always with a proverb there's a initial surface level understanding and then there's something deeper beneath it right well this is one of those obviously you'll be protected from the adulteress but you'll also be prote- um, protected excuse me from the temptation of alluring ideas philosophies and dreams things that would seduce you not just physically but mentally new ideas that would gain your attention and lead you away from God. New thoughts that would take you captive. New dreams that are in opposition to the plans that God has for you. Those things that tickle our ear. Truths that maybe aren't really truth. And anything really that takes us away from God. So wisdom will save us from the ways of wicked men. And it will save you from the adulteress as well. Those alluring ideas. Well, I'd like to read this final passage for you this morning. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, God's divine power, his divine power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Did you catch that? So there's something special about knowledge. There's something special. There's something powerful about knowledge of God. It says he has given us the power. Or he has, excuse me, his divine power has given us everything we need. And as we grow closer with him, we have all of the tools necessary. In verse 4, through these he has given us his very great and precious promise. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Okay, you might remember back when we talked about the, uh, the I am statement of I am the door, I am the gate. And Jesus offered his protection, right? And that protection comes from the outside influences of this world. Okay, his knowledge and his power is protecting us from the ways of this world. But it's also protecting us from ourselves as, right, as well. So the corruption of this world and evil desires. 
You know, he's given us everything that we need. When we accept him as our Savior, when we place our faith in him, when we are baptized into him and receive his spirit, he's given us, he's given us a mind. Even when he created us, he gave us a mind capable of knowledge and understanding. And that's amazing in and of itself. But then he gave us a heart to care and to motivate us to do what's right. He's given us his word and, and the truth that it contains and the stories of his faithfulness to us and his sacrifice for us. He's given us his son as a sacrifice for our sin, bridging the gap that was created by our sin so that we can have a relation with him once again. And now he's given us his spirit to aid us in learning, in loving, and in living. And that's pretty incredible. He's given us everything that we need. Except fingers to turn your pages of your notes. No, just kidding. But with all of that, with all that he's given, it's, it's now up to us what we do with those things. It's up to us to choose whether we're going to care about knowing him, we're going to take steps to understand him more, we're going to take uh, whatever it takes to to know God and to understand him. It's now our job to grow, and it's our job to learn. And, and it's going to take a little bit of effort. It's going to take uh, making it a priority for us to grow and learn, and it will take work. You know, the, the head can know, but it takes the heart to follow up with, with the motivation. Because, you know, sometimes we can know what's right, and we can choose to do what's different. Right? Our heart can still reject the knowledge that our mind contains. And that's Romans chapter 7. Romans 7, I'd encourage you to read it. Romans 7 says, I don't do what I know I want to do, and I do what I, I don't want to. Right? That's that struggle of sin and flesh within us. And that's the struggle of knowledge and ignorance. Sometimes it's easier to stay in ignorance. But there's dangers in that. And those dangers are solved with the knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So the head can know, but the heart can reject. What is your heart going to know? Or, excuse me, what is your heart going to do with the knowledge that you possess? That's my question for you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for the chance to open up your word and to grow in our knowledge and our understanding of who you are and how much you love us and the extent that you will go to have a relationship with us, and the promises that are ahead of us as we follow you. God, I just pray that each of us individually this week will take a step forward to learn about you. We'll make an effort to know you more. And I pray, Father, that as we do that, that we will see the blessing in our life as you protect us from the ways of evil men and from alluring and tempting philosophies and ideas of this world. So, God, we submit ourselves to you. And we just ask humbly that you help us to grow as we put off the old self and put on the new. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Well, the worship team is going to come up here as we look at a couple challenges this week. The first one is our memorize. Well, this had, growing in our understanding of God is aided by memorizing scripture. And I don't know how many times, maybe you've been in this boat before, where you've memorized a scripture and later at some not too distant date, you have something happen in your life where that verse comes back to your mind. Right? And how can God's word protect our hearts and our minds and our lives if we don't fill our brains with it? Right? 
And so that's the attempt to each month as we memorize these verses. So I encourage you, let's, let's say it together. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Okay, again, it's the story of the gospel. And that little scripture right there kind of sums up uh, what we need to know about God and what Jesus did for us. So I encourage you again, as you grow in your knowledge and understanding, to plant his word deep inside your mind and your heart. Here's another one. I'd like to encourage you this week to read a book of the Bible. Okay, a whole book. Okay, so this gives you lots of options because there's 66 choices. And there are some that are very short and there are some that are very long, right? And so depending on how uh, avid of a reader you are, you have no excuse, right? If you can read a lot, then pick a big book. If you can only read, have a short amount of time to read, or, or maybe you just have a chance to listen to it on audio, whatever you do, take one chapter this week and put it inside your head, however you choose to do that. You know what? I believe that, that when we do that, we are combating ignorance and we're gaining knowledge. Right? And that's what we need to do as we put off the old and put on the new.